we don't yet know what the lasting impacts are going to be to our team members and to our patients and their families from a mental health perspective. We know that isolation has had an incredibly large impact on on our patients and our team members. And I think organizations will continue to struggle with the effects on our team members, specifically from a mental health perspective. And so that's one area that I think will continue to evolve over the next couple of years. Hello, and welcome to the Alvarez and Marcel Healthcare Industry Group Human Capital and Workforce Management Podcast. In this podcast series, we deep dive into the human capital perspective of the healthcare industry. I'm Bianca Briola, leader of our human capital and workforce management practice in the healthcare group, and I'm joined today by Erin Gillingham, Senior Vice President and Chief Human Resources Officer of Unity Point Health, which is based in Des Moines, Iowa. Hello, Erin. Well, hello, Bianca. Good morning. It's a pleasure to meet with you here today. Yeah, I've been really looking forward to this conversation, mostly because you have a very interesting background and you're doing some really cool things. So that's a recipe for success in the conversation. I would love for you to tell us a little bit about your role at Unity Point Health and also a little bit about Unity Point Health in general. Well, sure. Um, first, thanks again for having me on your podcast. It's a pleasure to be here and I appreciate the opportunity to talk about how we here at Unity Point Health are supporting the human resources function within the healthcare industry. At Unity Point, we provide healthcare to patients and their families across nine very large regions throughout Iowa, Western Illinois, and Southern Wisconsin. We have more than 20 regional hospitals and 435 clinics, um, 19 community network hospitals, and four accredited colleges. And to get all of this work done, we've got a system of, of uh, 32,000 members uh, across our enterprise. This year, we're projecting a total revenue of about $5 billion for 2022. In my role, I lead the human resources function for the enterprise where I oversee a team of about 200 HR professionals across HR strategy, total rewards, talent management, um, employee and labor relations, health and safety, diversity, equity, inclusion, to name a few. So in short, Unity Point Health is really big, and so is your job, it sounds well, like. Well, we're certainly not the largest, um, far from it, but uh, we do have a large footprint in the area and uh, we see it just as incredibly important mission-driven work to be able to support the, um, the families uh, of the patients and our patients that we serve. Yeah, that's, I think that that's fantastic. It, you've shared with me in the past, you know, all of the great things that your organization is doing. Um, I'd love to deep dive into that, but before we do that, I want to learn a little bit more about you. I remember you mentioning that you started your career outside of healthcare, which I always find very fascinating when people come from other industries. Where did you spend your time before Unity Point Health? That's a great question. Um, it seems like it's been a, a lifetime of experiences, but uh, as I added up, it's only about 25 years at this particular point. Um, and I've been supporting healthcare organizations since about 2013 when I joined Ohio Health in Columbus, Ohio. But prior to my role at Unity Point Health, I was the Chief Human Resources Officer at Beaumont, a large integrated health system in suburban Detroit. But as you mentioned, all of my non-healthcare experience includes more than 12 years at Walmart stores. And something that uh, your listeners probably don't know about me is that I actually started at Walmart while in, while in high school as a cart pusher um, and then uh, left for college and then rejoined after I graduated. 
I also have, have experience leading human resources in financial services where I worked at Freddie Mac uh, during the mortgage crisis. Seems like seemed like at the time the right thing to do in 2007 when I joined the organization and by 2008, um, it became a very serious situation following the um, following the failure of Bear Stearns and Lehman Brothers and then later Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae being overtaken by the government. So my experiences um, extend in financial services and retail, to name a few. Yeah, that's very different than healthcare. You know, I would love to, to hear from you what you learned from your time in retail at Walmart and in the financial services industry. What kind of learnings have you brought into your current role or your healthcare tenure? Well, as you've, you've pointed out, healthcare is very different than other industries uh, in which I've worked. But the one aspect of healthcare that I've really come to love, the alignment to the mission. Our mission here at Unity Point Health is to improve the, the health and the communities of those that we serve, which is an incredible responsibility. The great thing about having a mission is that it provides significant line of sight into our team members and how it how they actually deliver on the brand promise of knowing how much our patients matter to this world. With respect to what I brought to Unity Point Health from other organizations, I would share a couple of things. Um, first, it's been my experience that human resources is one of those supports functions that has not always looked to be incredibly progressive in the healthcare space. And as I've integrated into healthcare, I've placed, placed a lot of focus on really understanding what's working well and, and moving much more towards a progressive human resources strategy. In most cases, um, this progressive strategy has included a real focus on what HR's value proposition is for the organization and ensuring that it's very much and clearly aligned to the overall organization's strategy. And so the things that we're working on within human resources here at Unity Point specifically tie to the organization's strategic goals. And, and that's one difference that I've seen um, in, in moving from a for-profit industry into not-for-profit healthcare is that the things that HR is working on are not always aligned to the overall strategy of the organization. The second thing that I would add is really about um, the things that we're doing within human resources to drive efficiency across the organization. Um, in my last two uh, organizations, when I joined uh, Human Resources, they were very decentralized, still reported up through the individual hospitals or regional locations. And we've put a really strong effort into figuring out how we can drive efficiencies for work that is more flywheel or work that is more transactional in nature, working to centralize that or working to drive efficiencies within those groups so that the teams that help to drive the strategy can really focus on the strategy. And then the third thing that I would say that we've been really working on is a purposeful focus on change management. You know, large organizations, I used to, they, we used to have this saying when I was at Walmart that Walmart, you know, could literally turn on a dime if it wanted to in terms of making decisions. It's a really or, a large organization. And you think about Walmart as being sort of this ship at sea, and it often takes more than 10 miles to, to, to turn a ship at sea, but Walmart is one of those unique companies that can really turn on a dime and, and make decisions very quickly and move in a very uh, different direction if it needs to be able to do so. And so bringing those types of skills and competencies into the healthcare environment has been really important and exciting uh, to be able to help teach uh, the organization uh, those principles as well. 
you know, I, I don't like to criticize our industry, but you're, you're really hitting the nail on the head as a, as a healthcare industry, particularly in the hospital and health system space. We are not agile. <laughs> we don't move very fast. So I find it fascinating that Walmart as an organization has made that part of their process, made that part of their culture. And there's so much to learn there. Um, and and I think that, that probably shined during the pandemic, right? That flexibility. But, but the healthcare industry was really able to showcase our skills and talents, you know, the best that we could during the pandemic. Um, and then there's natural consequences to that, obviously, lots of burnout. We lost a lot of really good legacy people with a lot of talent, a lot of knowledge who are just done, right? They're, they're no longer with us for whatever reason. But I think that the past few years have really tested us um, as healthcare leaders. And I'm sure that you and your role, you were not an exception to that. Uh, I would love to hear a little bit about what the past two years have looked like for you, understanding that we've been in the middle of the eye of a storm for, for quite some time. Yeah, Bianca, it's it's a great question. Um, there is no question that the past two years have just been incredibly difficult. And as COVID-19 started during the March of 2020 timeframe. I was the CHRO at Beaumont Health. Um, and as I mentioned, it's a large integrated health system in suburban Detroit. What became apparent, um, and as, as I was talking with other CHROs across the country, for this is true for them as well, is that human resources was really not equipped to be able to handle a global pandemic. And I don't think really anybody was really equipped. Um, and so we had to learn very quickly. And so at the onset of, of um, the work that we were doing as we and as the organization as a whole stood up um, different parts of the organization to be able to handle the pandemic, we in human resources really stood up our own internal teams. And we put a phrase up on our whiteboard that we met on on a daily basis. Um, and that phrase was never waste a good crisis. And we quickly learned um, how to become more nimble in our decision making and, and, and how to be more strategic in terms of how we were deploying our resources across the organizations. And as we moved from this sprint that we were all on, say, for the first nine months or 10 months of, of the pandemic, we then had to figure out how to move from a sprint into more of a marathon. And we had to look at how human resources was supporting the organization over a wide variety of areas that became this um, sort of perfect storm of issues that all happened at one time from a staffing perspective, from a compensation perspective, remote working, among many, many others. And now as an organization uh, at, here at Unity Point Health, we have more than 4,300 jobs currently open across the system. And we've all heard about this term called the great resignation and how we're trying to get back to manageable staffing levels, um, while at the same time having to invest in the future state and organizational strategy of the organization as well. And then there was another piece that you mentioned, which is this this other piece that which is people are getting out of healthcare in general and and jobs that previously we didn't compete with from a healthcare perspective. So, for example, um, you know, um, I, I find myself competing much more with the Walmarts of the world, the Costco's of the world for, for different jobs. And so, you know, it what used to be 
100% mission-based is now um, we're having to convince people to move into the the healthcare organization for different reasons, and and we're having to be more competitive from a compensation perspective. And this piece on well-being and mental health is becoming more and more and more important because of of what's happening within um, with healthcare in general and having to deal with so many different patients with so much death and and so much suffering associated with the global pandemic. So those are the types of things that that we're really focused on here and and what we've been spending our time these past two years on. So knowing what you know now, is there anything you would have done differently? I'm the type of person that I think looking in the rearview mirror can both be depressing and cathartic at the same time. Um, it makes you better understand what you could have done differently. And I would say there's probably two or three areas that that I would focus on differently. First, dating back on my time at, at Beaumont, and it's probably true for Unity Point Health as well, I would have ensured that our employee health or team member health function was better structured to be able to handle the amount of work that would be coming their way through surges and vaccines and leaves of absences and change in processes and laws and all of these 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 things that we couldn't have predicted would happen. I mean, if you think about it, our employee health organization, you know, pre-COVID was really more focused on, um, you know, needle sticks and occupational health injuries and, and those sorts of things that all of a sudden overnight had to, to manage all of these different areas and, you know, went from taking maybe 25 phone calls a week to more than 250 phone calls in a single day. Uh, with with folks that are out. And I can remember back early in the pandemic, there was a point in time at Beaumont where we had 1,900 of our team members out at one particular time, and we had a total inability to be able to do testing and effective uh, and effectively know whether or not our folks were were really sick from the virus or if there was something else going on. And so, um, you know, it's it's been this you know, sort of retrospective look at things and saying, yeah, I definitely would have prepared the employee health organization differently. I I think that we've done a decent job uh, since then of, of finding the resources for our team members and, and getting um, this 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 employee health area moving in a different direction. But the other area that I would say is that I mentioned the marathon before, and we know that COVID has had a profound impact on our team members, and I would have focused and put more resources in the area of mental health and well-being before, you know, if, if, if I could have done things over. And then the last area that I would say, there's a lot of areas that I would improve upon, is we've really struggled with compensation related to nursing, particularly with the influx of agency nursing that we found ourselves in across the system. And, and I'm not sure there's a great answer for this, and I don't think that there's any silver bullet of, of how we could prevent this or how we could have, have managed this in a different way. But just having the knowledge up front that we were sort of heading down this path of, you know, having staffing issues combined with agency issues, combined with, um, you know, the great resignation and all of those sorts of things, I would have had my team really focused um, and, and in a room thinking about this much earlier. Okay, so... I think that that's incredibly insightful. There's a lot of learnings there. <laughs> you know, looking to the future, though, I'd love to get kind of your perspective on what are the things that are really keeping you up on at night and, and what are the things that you're doing to address those items? First off, my wife would tell me tell you that I'm a very sound sleeper. Okay. Um, nothing, nothing really keeps me up at night, but lots of things worry me. 
you know, I, I think, you know, one of the biggest areas that I don't get th- that that doesn't get talked about enough is that I think we've lost a layer of management as we've gone through the pandemic. Um, you know, middle managers went from sort of being, um, you know, boots on the ground management to all of a sudden having to do a lot of the work that that was um that was left to them when shifts got on that weren't weren't being able to be filled or their team members were out with COVID. Um, and from a development perspective, um, you know, we we had to sort of put that group on pause and we need to get back to development um, and getting middle management moving in the right direction because we've we've noticed with all of these resignations that we're now stressed from a succession planning perspective and you know from a uh, you know getting people to be interested in going into management and and getting that entry point back i think is going to be critically important the second thing that i would say is really around mental health we've got to make sure that our health plans are flexible that they provide for for great coverage, um, you know, as it, as it relates to when people come in from an ERP perspective and then potentially transition into, you know, maybe needing to go to a mental health provider. It's providing good transitional areas for for from a mental health perspective to ensure that we're taking care of the whole person and we're meeting people where they're at. We also have to use this time uh, you know, right now to make sure that our HR teams are getting focused back in the right areas. And I, and I mentioned two. And and so those would be a couple of areas, including reducing variation, improving capability, and all of those sorts of things. Well, I'd like to pivot, and I suspect that you're going to talk about reducing variation here. Um, so before the pandemic, we saw a lot of merger and acquisition activity in the hospital and health system space. And I think that you have some experience with this, with organizations mm-hmm. like this. Now it seems like organizations are looking around and thinking, okay, we are past the bolus of the pandemic. We're not swinging from the curtain per se. And we need to really focus on integration efforts. We know where all the process breaks are. We know where there's opportunity. I remember you mentioning that you supported some of these integration efforts for organizations that have grown and acquired. What are some of your best practices in the workforce space? And I would imagine that uh, eliminating variation is one of your key focus areas, right? Well, certainly when it comes to integration um, and and with two organizations coming together, reducing variation is the key to making sure that you're driving efficiencies and you're able to hit the the items that were agreed upon in the the letter of intent uh, when when deals were originally uh, penned. But I'll share a couple of best practices that I think are relevant to the human resources folks. First, in any sort of M&A work, I think that that timely, open, and transparent communication is essential in, in managing any significant change. When I was at Beaumont, I implemented uh, at this, this was a, a grassroots effort that came up during our engagement survey. Um, we implemented something called the 15-minute HR-wide huddle, which occurred um, every Monday morning, uh, which I have carried over to Unity Point Health. So each Monday morning, we meet to discuss what's happening across the system, what's happening across within human resources and any other topic that the team wants me to cover. And I personally lead these meetings. If I'm on vacation or I happen to be out for traveling or something along those lines, one of my direct reports leads this this meeting. But we have it religiously every Monday morning. And it's been great for the team. 
Um, and and so the as we've been going through a lot of this integration work and moving from um, what I would describe here at Unity Point as a federation of independent states, if you will, to a fully integrated, you know, integrated health system, communication has got to be the key because human resources is going through the change first. So managing that change and just being open and upfront with people is just incredibly helpful. And it sort of leads me to the second piece, which is around engagement and, and continuing to ask for feedback and, and, and actually doing something about the feedback that you receive. We just finished our latest Pulse survey and I'll share a little bit about what we're learning from the survey as we're beginning to get our results back. And the human resources function uh, for, the, for the areas that I lead, our favorability score for engagement is above 90%. And it's significantly higher than, than the rest of the organization. And I truly believe that the reason that we've gotten here from an engagement perspective is because of the open and transparent communication that we've been having about the really the what's in it for, for them um, across the entire human resources function and, and really spending time to make sure that folks understand for the case for change, why the change is happening, where they will where they will be and then if you don't know an answer just say you don't know an answer and you go out and find figure out what the answer is going to be uh, for the organization and then the final area that i think is incredibly important in any in any integration effort is really around data and analytics and making sure that you know what you're going to be measuring as you're going through this work and why you're measuring it um, and and so you know if you're able to there's lots of other things that, that you do through integration efforts, but those are three key areas that I was sort of thinking about. Okay, so let's take out your crystal ball, dust it off. What does the next few years look like for you and our industry? What do you think? Well, I think first off, Bianca, the next couple of years are gonna be incredibly exciting. Um, and I'm really looking forward to particular here, particularly here at Unity Point Health of, of getting to through all of this integration work that, that we've been working on, you know, for the last eight months or so that I've been here and what will probably take, you know, the next two or three years to fully get through. That is really fun work. But your question in terms of what does the industry look like, um, you know, one of the myths that our CEO Clay Holderman ta often talks about is the myth that COVID is over. And we live here in the Des Moines, Iowa area. And if you went to, you know, out to eat or to the mall or to the movies or whatever, um, there's not very many masks that are being worn right now. And we're in a high transmission area. And so a lot of folks believe that that COVID is over. And, and I assure you, it's not. Um, you know, we continue to see spikes in the virus. Um, we continue to see, you know, folks out for, um, you know, COVID-related illnesses. But yes, hospitalizations are down. But the key issue is we don't yet know what the lasting impacts are going to be to our team members and to our patients and their families from a mental health perspective. We know that isolation has had an incredibly large impact on on our patients and our and our team members. And I think organizations will continue to struggle with the effects on our team members specifically from a mental health perspective. And so those are that's one area that I think will continue to evolve over the next couple of years. 
The second area that I think is going to continue to evolve over the next couple of years are staffing and workforce challenges. They're going to continue. And we need to figure out differently how care is delivered at the bedside. And we have a, an organization-wide strategy that's being led by our chief nursing officer around looking at how care is delivered at the bedside differently so that we can make sure to take advantage of the fact that we know that there are going to be fewer nurses that are graduating or there are fewer nurses that are available and we're figuring out how to redeploy care, whether that's through other folks at the bedside or through that's through technology or through how we're managing our EMR system and you know doing other things differently. differently. So those would be two things that I think are going to be really important to take a look at over the next couple of years. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. We have no option but to redesign our care model. That that is the only solution out of our current shortage of licensed and clinical resources. I'm encouraged that this is the hard work that you're doing right now. You are the first person that has um, shared their outlook for the future and there's going to be a lot of fun work for us. And, but I agree with you. There's there's good hard work to be done in the next few years. Um, and I think that it's a good point that you're making about COVID not disappearing. This is going to be something, although we're out of the pandemic stage, this is something that we must address and understand moving forward mm -hmm. in the long-term consequences. So, so insightful. Erin, I really appreciate your time. I really value your experience. And I think that you have such good learnings here, lots of juicy information. So thank you, thank you, thank you for taking time to chat with us today. Well, it's my pleasure anytime and uh, look forward to hearing from you again.